Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the 108 podcast. We are the type one together girls. (laughs) My blood sugar is spiking a little, so I was giving a dose and starting the podcast recording at the same time, which maybe was not a good move. That was so funny. We're trying to get into a groove of like one of us says one thing and the other person says (laughs) the next thing. So uh, Raquel, take it away. Okay, well, we are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember the type 1 together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. Yes. All right. <laughs> Let's with get into that, it. today is kind of just a random episode with lots of different things as you all get to know more about us and our management styles. And I'm actually leaving tonight for my week long trip in the Dominican Republic. I leave at midnight, which is going to be crazy blood sugar wise too. I was thinking about because I haven't taken a red eye in forever. I don't even remember the last time and I probably won't sleep well, which definitely impacts my blood sugars a lot. How does that impact your blood sugars? Do you typically see highs or lows? I am insulin resistant for sure when I don't get a lot of sleep. Absolutely. So we'll see. Um, And then once I get there, it is an all-inclusive resort. And so there will be all the food, and I plan to enjoy all of it. Yeah, <laughs> so as you should. It's going to be fun. I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to talk about after. But uh, anyways, yeah, we're going to kind of just talk about all the things. But Amanda, I'm kind of curious, like, well, first of all, just what's going on in diabetes world for you right now? Let's start there. Sure. I mean, yeah, a lot. <laughs> um always. Yeah, today's been a really good day. Today was a preschool day for my daughter, and we have preschool kind of down. She typically spikes a little bit at some point. Um, She has a low maybe once every other week at preschool, but I'm really confident in her teachers um, and their abilities, and they're really open with their communication, so that's been good. But last night was a mess. So yesterday we like, I took them down to waterfront park and they just played in like a big open splash pad for a while. And after that, when we were back home, I noticed that a part of the adhesive on the Omnipod was starting to like come up a little bit and I checked it and the cannula was still in her skin and she was not complaining about it. And she was like, no, it doesn't hurt mom. So I just put another like, tegaderm over patch over the omnipod but and we went about our day and you know insulin for the rest of the day was working and then we went out for pizza with some friends and yeah it was really fun and like they have a little girl in Hattie's class so it was nice like you know the adults actually got to sit and have a drink and eat pizza because the kids could go play in the little like play area of the restaurant um Anyway, and like it was very obvious that the insulin was still working because her blood sugar was in range throughout dinner. And I was like really proud of it because, you know, we're working really hard on our pizza bolus. <laughs> it's so hard for us. <clears throat> uh, hot anyway. take, you'll never get it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Not really. Um, you think you will and then the next time we'll bite you in the ass. Yeah, but anyway, so – then we get home really late and we put her to bed and whatever. And typically my three-year-old has um, 
a growth hormone spike as soon as she falls asleep. It's like she falls asleep and her body's defenses like all go down and then all the repair happens. And so we usually see a spike. And so I saw that spike and I gave her a little bit of insulin when she was at like 150 and then she kept climbing. So I gave her some more when she was at like 180 and then she kept climbing and climbing. And I've, I'm not sure what it was. I think it was like at 266, my husband had gone in and given her two extra boluses. So that's now four micro boluses to attempt to like slow it and stop it. And usually if the insulin's working, we at least see it slowed down. And I just, something went off in my mom brain last night and I was like, Oh, it's out of her skin. Like, and so I went and checked at 1030 and sure enough, like she hadn't been getting insulin since probably 8.30 or 9 p.m. But it was so tough because, you know, you think it's growth hormone. We had pizza, like it'll come down, it'll come down. But sometimes you do have to just catch that or like go in and check that. I mean, yes. so that was a 10.30 p.m. um, pod change. And then my husband and I are a pretty good team. I was pretty nervous at that point. I really, especially coming off of Friends for Life when you had your – um, like ketone experience. I was really anxious. And so I told my husband, you fall asleep and I'm going to stay up and keep giving her insulin until it comes down. And like, I'm going to do this slowly, but surely, because I know she's feeling like crap and I don't want to plummet her and then also have to wake her up for a low in the middle of the night. So I was up till like almost midnight watching her come back down, but then she was in range at like one 30 all night long. So yeah, it was fine. The rest of the day has been fine, but there's just, yeah, there's always something, you know, there's always something. And I don't know if y'all can hear the dogs, but there will always be dogs barking. (laughs) So sorry. It's just how it is. Um, but yeah, there's just things like that with diabetes that are never going to go away. And I think I've just come to understand that and accept it, which has made it actually a lot easier when they do yeah. come up instead of just being so mad and annoyed at it because there's some stuff you just literally can't control. And those days are going to happen at least once a month, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> something, sight problem or a crazy low or just something weird happening. You know, I always say you have to expect the unexpected with diabetes because yeah. there's no normal. It's so, it's such a healthy way to think about it. And I, I mean, part of why I just immediately vibed with you is because I could feel that from you and like the message you bring to the online diabetes space is so healthy and so needed in a space where it's very easy for people to constantly go, woe is me. Look at this. This is so hard. This is the worst. And like, yes, there's a time and place for that too. But sometimes it's like, okay, that's too much negativity. And at the end of the day, like take it all away. It's either you die or you learn how to live a happy life with this. Right. And so why would you? Yes. And I could talk about this forever. And again, I don't want to like discredit any like sad feelings or, you know, it's really, really hard. So I, I know that I've lived with this for so long. It's very hard and it's okay to be upset about it. And I still have those days where I even cry about it. But this is how I feel. If you have a really high blood sugar, you already, if you're the person living with it, or if you're a parent, you probably feel some sort of guilt or whatever, even though you yeah. shouldn't. Um, you don't feel great in that moment. And so it's like, okay, you cannot feel good. And on top of it, be super mad at yourself and just 
make the whole situation even worse. Or you could just not. And (laughs) the truth is that if you just don't and you just take the action to bring that high down or whatever the situation is, fix it and move on, you're going to have the same result, if not better, because stress, if you're the one living with it at least, makes the blood sugar worse. And so it's kind of like, what's the freaking point of being so upset about it? And that is much easier said than done. But I just try to think of every situation like that, like, okay, this is happening. What can I do? All right, I drank the water. I went for a walk. I gave insulin, whatever. Now I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. It doesn't help anything. Wait till it comes down. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a question with this because obviously you are fully in control of your management and you have been for a while now. Yeah. But I'm curious if there were ever moments like that, times like that, when you were a teenager, when you technically could have been fully in control if you wanted, but if there were, sorry, moments or days where you just were like, I can't do this. Yeah. Did your mom ever step in and do it for you? Because I have it, I have it in my head where... I'm going to be giving Hattie her diabetes over to her as soon as she's wanting to take it on. Yes. And with the understanding in our family that the second she needs a break from it to pretend like it doesn't exist, she hands me her pump phone and she hands me, or she like, you know, knows that I'm following her on her Dexcom. And then she just pretends like it doesn't exist, you know? That's so nice. So I'm curious Um, if you did something like that with your parents. Yeah. I think that my parents had a very similar approach. And if I ever needed them for anything, they 100% would do any of it for me. I mean, obviously, as I got older, they wanted me to learn how to, Mm -hmm. you know, pick up prescriptions and call them in and all of that stuff. But in terms of actual management, they've always been there in that way. But my personality has always just been like, I want to do it. This is my thing. And I didn't really give them that opportunity. And there were a lot of days, especially in high school, where I was, well, I would say more in middle school, but I was really all over the place. And I was a dancer growing up and I went to a performing arts high school. And so I was dancing for over half of the school day every day. And then I was a dance major in college. And so things were really hard to manage because I was like putting on my pump, taking it off. exercising but then like going high and then having so many juice boxes I used to literally go through so many (laughs) um and I also before CGMs had to get special like permission to get lots of extra test strips because I was checking like 20 25 times a day because I wasn't comfortable like being in a dance studio and not Mm -hmm. knowing what my blood sugar was Mm -hmm. and you didn't have a CGM it's crazy to think about now I don't know how I did it but yeah so I don't remember specific moments like that, but there were a hundred percent times where I just didn't want to deal with it as much. And thankfully I've never purposely not given insulin or gone through diabulimia. That's a whole different situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's days where I was just being a teen and I didn't want to dose perfectly or I didn't really care. I was going up and I didn't realize how bad I felt until I got into college, joined college diabetes network, met other type ones. And then I started learning through them and through the online community that I found at the same time. And I was like, wait, my blood sugars are not really in range. Yeah. Like ever. And then when I got them back in range, well, first of all, I felt low when I wasn't low, which is very common when people start to get their blood sugars back in range because your body gets so used to being at a higher number. And so you'll be like 150 and you'll feel low. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And then when I did get them back, I was like, oh, I really didn't have the energy. Like my hunger cues were all over the place. Like everything was just a mess because of my blood sugars. And, you know, just that time of life is so hard already. So yeah, I I don't even know where I'm going with all of this, but um, even to this day, like when I go home to Dallas, my mom will always have juice boxes in my room ready for me. And if I need anything, she'll be there. And like, there's days where I will ask her, like, hey, I really want to go to sleep, like, even when I'm just in town for the holidays, but I'm dropping. Can you please watch my number for the next hour so I can just go to sleep, you know? Mm-hmm, Those yeah. are the moments, I think, where I get most annoyed when it keeps me from sleeping, it wakes me up in the middle of the night, or it keeps me from doing something else with friends or, like, at Friends for Life when I had the ketone situation. Like, I yeah. really didn't want to be in the room. I wanted to be out with y'all. So that's when it's frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's nice to hear, though, like – you talk about it and you talk about um, your teenage and like, you know, early adulthood. I think that, do you remember at Friends for Life when there were like teenagers walking past us and I just mm-hmm. was like wanting to cry because I think that when Hattie was first diagnosed, it really felt like you don't get to be, you don't get to experience the life that I thought you were going to, you know? And I felt like she was just going to be in this little bubble and have like no friends and not feel like a sense of freedom. And I'm the kind of parent where like my kids are not my property. Like Mm -hmm. I chose to have children to foster independence and to just kind of like watch them spread their wings and figure out who they are and what they like in life and stuff like that. And I felt like the diabetes diagnosis almost was robbing that of Hattie. And, you know, it's like so far away. Um, But that's just, yeah, something I went through. And then for whatever reason, seeing like adorable teenagers, especially any teenagers who remind me of my daughter, like what she might look like when she grows up makes me just be like, uh, they're all just hanging out with their friends. They're going to sneak away and go make out with boys and <laughs> like, or make out with girls, whatever. And like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it's nice to hear, you know, like your perspective from that yeah. time. Good. I'm glad. I think again, I might've mentioned this before, but I, was diagnosed at such a young age that I don't really remember life without it, which I'm pretty thankful for now. So I don't really think about what life would be like without it very much, which is weird. And I think even more so now that I have so many type one friends that it's almost normal. A lot of people I hang out with, they just happen to have it, which I'm realizing is amazing and interesting. Like how did that just happen over the last few years? Um, So I do have moments like even in the last couple months like, they're very specific moments where I'll just be like, huh, must be nice for my boyfriend, Kevin, to just <laughs> eat that burger and not have to think twice about it, you know? And he yeah. knows how lucky he is and he acknowledges it, which I love. But, yeah, there's moments like that where it's like, what is that like? That or That's crazy. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, in in a toddler version of that that happened to us this morning. So I put Hattie and Summer, I put their breakfast down on the table this morning. I said, okay, girls go eat breakfast. And I usually just like do whatever's needed for diabetes without telling Hattie. Mm -hmm. But 
on occasion, maybe anywhere from one to three times a day, I'll just mention out loud what I'm doing. And in this case this morning, I didn't say anything like that I had already dosed her. And she sits down, picks up her piece of toast and goes, oh, um, mom, don't forget to dose me. I'm about to eat carbs. Smart girl. (laughs) And I was like, oh, thanks, hon. I already did. And then I was like, that was really smart, honey. I'm really proud of you. And the older you get, like, I'll teach you how to use your pump phone so you can just grab your pump phone and do it yourself if you want. She's like, okay, but you already did it. And it was just so weird. I was, it was like this equal parts. This is just normal life. Like I was unfazed. And then a part of me was phased where I was like, holy shit, my three-year-old understands that that's that's what's necessary for her life. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. swelling with pride. Yes. That's amazing. And I get how that can be really sad, but I think it is just part of life. Like, it's just my life. Like, I just sit down, I give myself insulin before I eat. Like, that's just normal now, which... I can see why that sounds really sad, but when that's just your norm, you just kind of grow to be okay with it. But even yeah. yesterday I was doing or watching TV, it was late at night and I was like, Oh, I only have five units left in my pump. Got to change it. Really didn't want to. And then I just like brought all the supplies onto the bed and I was like filling the syringe. And I had another moment where I was like, it's weird that I'm just sitting here with him, like <laughs> filling up my insulin. Like this is just some normal thing because it yeah. is normal. But yeah. So there are moments like that, but I'm sure even as a parent, you get that with, I mean, you have to count carbs. You have to dose the insulin. Like you're also doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's the only thing I know now, but it is strange essentially having diabetes without yeah. feeling the physical effects of it. Yeah. And oh my gosh, what I would give to take it away from her. Like if there was such thing as swapping pancreases, mm-hmm. we'd have know, that but... surgery scheduled tomorrow. Like yes. I'll freaking take it on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> That's <laughs> sorry. What? I think I thought of that when we were in Florida with like Megaman and I were sharing a room, and there were times where like Meg and I would be bullishing or like changing our sights or whatever. And I think there was a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, Amanda doesn't actually have to do this for herself. Because <laughs> we talk about it all the time, but it's like, oh, you're not one of us in that way. <laughs> no, it is weird. I, I I, think I'm said out loud a lot at the Friends for Life conference, like, ooh, I've, I don't – I feel like an imposter. I don't, yeah, but you're not. I, <laughs> you're not. I know, but, you know. Yes. I don't know. Just like the little feeling of guilt, like – okay, I'm here. I'm part of it. I'm in the community. Oh, but I have a pancreas that produces insulin. Sorry. (laughs) Don't be sorry. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like what was your management style like in the very beginning or even just like the first few months versus now if it's evolved at all? Yeah. That's such a, such a good question. And yeah, let's dive into this topic. The management style was basically just following doctor's orders at first, which was like we had um, the sliding scale, which I touched on last episode, where basically if we went into a meal and her blood sugar was 218, let's say, then I would go to the chart 
provided by the doctor's office. And it would say like, if your daughter's blood sugar is between 200 and 250, she needs one unit. And then if she is going to eat a meal of 30 to 45 grams of carbs, she needs another unit. And so then I'd give her two units, 15 minutes before eating, put 45 grams of carbs in front of her and watch her either skyrocket to 400 or plummet to 40. Like it was just such a mess. Um, And I didn't understand it. I remember it was uh, six weeks in maybe where I said like, this is so hard because I have to time breakfast, lunch, and dinner just right. And I have to like give her snacks at mid-morning and mid-afternoon. And like the Lantis dose has to be exactly 24 hours. And I was like, that doesn't work for our lifestyle. She's a two-year-old. I have a newborn that I'm breastfeeding around the clock. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like, I, you know, one... <laughs> One nutritionist or dietitian, I forget, um, that I had a meeting with, I was explaining all of this to her and I was like, this is so hard. And I was, you know, whatever. It's just like, this is crazy. And she goes, well, have you thought about implementing more structure in your life? And I laughed in her face because she said that to me as summer, the baby was screaming in my arms. Hattie was climbing up my body and screaming, I'm hungry. I want a snack. I want a snack. And that woman is like speaking over my kids screaming in my face. And I was just like, implement. How dare you? (laughs) Anyway, that was a tangent. But yeah, basically I asked the endo six weeks in, like there has to be another way. And she was like, oh yeah, we can try insulin to carb ratios. And once I figured out that insulin to carb ratios were a thing and like a correction factor was a thing. I was like, why is this not what you guys offered the first time? Like as soon as we were diagnosed, because it gives freedom and flexibility and, and then like you're, um, you know, you just are able to narrow down your goal ending blood sugar after like the food's digested and the insulin has done its job. Um, so that was the beginning. And then as everything has evolved and especially once we got on the pump, now my style is very much so she calls the shots on what she wants to eat as if she didn't have diabetes. So that does not mean that when she says, I want six bowls of cereal, that she gets six bowls of cereal. Like, no. But it does mean that if she says, I want a bowl of cereal, I just say, sure. Because if she didn't have diabetes, I would tell her, sure, you can have one bowl of cereal and then you need healthy veggies and protein for your next meal, for your snack, because we have to balance it out. And that's just how I do it. And so little by little with every single meal, every single bolus over the last year and a half, I have figured out based on what her current blood sugar is and the amount of exercise she has under her belt and the activities or lack thereof that are coming up within the next two hours, I either pre-bolus way ahead of time, Mm -hmm. I bolus right as she's eating, I do half of the dose 10 minutes before and half of the dose 40 minutes after eating. I like It's a completely 
fly by the seat of my pants. Flexible. Very flexible. It is not perfect all the time, but it has struck a balance in our life where we have a time and range that I am one, proud of, and two, very comfortable with so that when my daughter is older and I fully hand things over to her, I can say to her, you got to live your life the way that you wanted and the way I would have treated you if you did not have diabetes and your overall health was not compromised. You know what I mean? So like that's the attempt is to strike that balance. The goal is not to be 95% in range a hundred percent of the time or whatever, you know, like it's just, no, that's not realistic. But I also figured out like, I, I do, I figured out what my threshold was for putting in a certain amount of effort so that she wasn't at a super low time mm-hmm. range. Yeah. And that's the other thing, like the A1C and everything is all exciting and it's fun to be able to like flash your A1C, like, oh, I'm such a badass. Look at how good my A1C is. But I am trying really hard to like flush that. And know that it ebbs and flows, especially with like illness and growth and different periods of life. And, and it ebbs and flows in terms of like, are you getting your A1C drawn two weeks after you've had the best two weeks ever? It'd be really good. Or are you getting it drawn two weeks after your child was sick and their blood sugars have been in the toilet? It's not going to be as good. It's going to go up and that's okay. Like, so I really attempt to be more, time and range focused and the standard deviation. My personal goal is to keep her just below 33%. We can't get super low with the way that I'm choosing to live our life and manage diabetes, but anywhere between like 28 and 33%, I'm happy with. Definitely. And you're giving. Oh, sorry. Oh, but with life and food, which is so important because even if you're not restricting food, which a lot of type ones choose to eat low carb or whatever, and I support whatever works for families same specifically, but you're going to have a complicated relationship with food if you have type one alone. Like forget yeah. what eating style your family has just because you're always counting carbs and you have to pay attention to that. And as much as there's no such thing as like good and bad blood sugars, right? There's always numbers and <laughs> you're always trying to be in range to feel good if for nothing else, right? It's yeah. not about that like check mark A plus, you did it. Um, ultimately, it's about how you feel and how the rest of your life's going to be. So that alone is so important. And I even struggled a lot with body image and food, maybe a little bit because of type one, even though my family was the same. They let me eat all the things, but I will say when I was younger and on shots and there were no pumps yet for kids, at least Mm -hmm. it was very strict on 45 carbs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this exact time and 15 carbs for snack at these times. Mm -hmm. And I had to eat more than I wanted at some meals and I couldn't eat at a certain birthday party. And my mom would always say, well, you know, you can have the cake, but like got to have it during your snack time, you know, because it was what the doctor said and we were doing that um but it still created i think complications but even more so just being a dancer that's a whole nother thing yeah i'm i'm <laughs> glad that you brought no 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 i'm glad that you brought up the injections too because 
One thing that I think is important for some of you to hear is once your child gets used to injections, if you're not ready to go on a pump yet, or if it's just not happening, or you just feel stuck, I started telling Hattie very early on in the journey, yes, you can have that, but you do need an injection because your body doesn't need insulin. So in order to eat it, you have to get an extra injection. And little by little, I would say definitely by months four, five, and six, right before we got on the pump, she was like, yep, I'll take an extra shot for a piece of cake. I don't care. So then we weren't limited to timing. It was still stressful. I still hated it. It was the last thing I wanted to do was like poke my kid again. But yeah, I would just- But there was none of that when I was getting the shots. It was like, you have to eat at this time and then you have to wait two hours before anything else. That whole rule. Yes, we we still had that rule, but I quickly threw away, sorry, but what the- what the strict doctor's orders were. I very quickly decided this is my daughter's disease process. And one endo who spends 10 minutes looking at her numbers every once in a while is not going to be the person who decides what every single food decision is for her life. Mm -hmm. That is completely out of bounds in my opinion. It is. And I wonder if like having your nursing background made you more comfortable with that because I think yes, so many families and probably my mom too were so just nervous and you know wanted to do what the doctors were saying at that point, which totally makes sense. Yes. But I don't understand how the doctors tell everyone because I get a lot of messages about this. Like you can't correct for two hours after eating that whole thing. Like parents will be like, oh, I see that you're you know giving a second dose or splitting your dose or whatever it is. And they said not to correct for two hours but my child's 350. So I'm just supposed to wait. Yeah. Like it makes no sense when then they say it takes 15 minutes for a pre-bolus, right? That's all you have to wait. But then, yeah. and I understand there's like insulin duration time in your body and stocking can be dangerous, but I don't know. There's all these rules yeah. out there that are crazy. Yeah. In my opinion. I, it kind of feels to me like, you know, based on all the studies and the available literature, the, like board of pediatric endos or whatever have decided on these like standard rules that just keep emergencies from happening. And that makes sense. And I appreciate that. But on the flip side, it is your child's long-term health that's then potentially at risk. So there, there is a balance, I think. And I think that hopefully the healthcare system starts moving in the direction of gently explaining the reality of both, you know, mm-hmm. the reality of highs for too long and the reality of lows. Yes. Mixed with a lot of like giving yourself grace and, mm-hmm. you know, and flexibility. Yeah. I want to yeah. hear though, Raquel, how your management style has changed and what your day-to-day diabetes management looks like. Yeah, (laughs) it has completely changed. Again, I think it all started during that college time and when I was learning from my friends and people online, which it shouldn't necessarily be that way, but it's just the truth. Um, And I want to preface this again with saying this is not medical advice at all because I don't Mm -hmm. do this in a conventional way and it could be dangerous and I recognize that, but because I have type 1 myself and I can feel 
I've always been so sensitive to feeling at least lows in my body. I feel comfortable managing this way. But to be totally honest, I never count carbs. I don't remember the last time I counted carbs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't read the side of a box unless it's something that I really don't know. But even so, there's so many factors for me that go into giving a bolus. Like, where am I in my cycle? Like, before I get super resistant, as soon as I get my period, I am super low. Um, Did I just work out? For example, I have worked out like twice in the last five days, maybe. And I've actually been 99% in range the last two days. And I think a lot of that is because of the workouts. Like my body really responds to that. And the insulin sensitivity is so amazing. But when I was dancing 24-7 in college, it was almost too much to where my blood sugars were all over the place and my body was stressed out, I think, by everything happening. So it's just taken a long time to kind of figure out my balance. But um, yeah, I just give units. I look at a plate of food and I'm like, this is how much I need. And probably 60% of the time I predose, but even in that 60%, sometimes it's five minutes before, <laughs> sometimes it's 15 minutes before. Does that um, does your timing of predosing depend on whether or not you're using Fiasp or um like Hemolognovlog? Yeah, it does a little bit. I probably should take that even more into consideration. So for those of you who don't know, I've been using Fiasp, which is a fast acting insulin. And but like faster than other fast acting insulins. Yeah, like you're not supposed to need a pre bolus at all. So for that, yeah, I don't need to predose pretty much. Um, with Novolog, I think it's much more necessary, but I've also mm-hmm. kind of found a way to just like catch it. If I if I don't get to predose, usually more insulin will make up from the la- for the lack of predose. I've found at least in my body, and so mm-hmm. I don't know. I just take all these factors in and dose for it. So I'll just be like four units, five units, and then usually I will say. I give more later, which is something I'm working on because I think I could give more aggressively up front, Uh which usually isn't a problem. But in the mornings, especially, I have a hard time with spiking after I have coffee or anything, just because in the mornings, I'm super insulin resistant, like we all are naturally. That's the most time of the day that you will be resistant. And so a couple things I do, I wake up, as soon as I get going, I start to see my blood sugar rising. And I kind of wake up at different times a lot of days. And so I don't I do have it reflected in my basal rates, but it's not just like a one size fits all raise your basal rates, you know? So instead I wake up and I give myself a unit usually when I wake up just to kickstart some insulin in my body. And then when I do sit down to eat, I will try to predose at least for breakfast, but even so sometimes coffee, because I will get like a latte or something that has sweetener in it. um, It will spike me. And then sometimes I do have a crash and that's like my one bigger problem area. Yeah. But, um, you were asking something that I was going to say specifically about this situation. Uh, other than that, though, I think my blood sugars are pretty in range and I don't, I don't know, I just kind of go for it and I yeah. guess and I give more later and I catch a low if I absolutely need to, but it's not like I'm, I think I, I typically have less than three or 2% lows when I look yeah. at my Clarity app. So this is like the beauty of one, having a Dexcom, two, having a pump, and three, having 21 years of experience under your belt. <laughs> I feel like, it right? Is. And I will say I do look at my numbers a lot. Like, I'm constantly yeah. looking at my CGM, but for me, it's such an autopilot thing now. Like, I just do it and 
don't really even think about it. Sometimes I give insulin. I'm like, wait, how much did I just give? It's really bad. And I have to go back and look. But yeah, it's so automatic that I rather do that than like sit there, measure out my food, calculate everything. Because I found that even when I do all that, it doesn't always work out. And Uh I know why. It's because there's too many factors. And Uh so when these doctors are giving you these insulin to carb ratios, it's a great start, right? Like you do need to know that. And I know mine. However, it's not everything because every single day in your body is different. Yep. There's always different things happening. And stress also impacts it so much. And the weather, like when you're sweating yep. or when I go in the sun, in the heat, I spike a lot. So yep. there's just so many things to consider. So it's almost like why I even put in all that effort up front if I'm going to have to be watching it anyways. And I'm not afraid to give a second dose. And I actually don't even have my high alarms on ever other than uh-huh. at night. But even at night, I have it set to like 300 because – my T-Slim really keeps me in range at night. And so I never go that high unless there's like a sight issue. So I right. have it on higher. But other than that, I don't have alarms because I would get alarm fatigue and be totally burnt out by them. And they're yep. not really necessary when I'm always looking at yep. it anyways. Plus my pump's doing so much on its own because of the control IQ, similar to the Omnipod 5 features. Yep. So it's just nice. I do have low alerts on though, I will say. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's necessary. I will say, like, obviously, so many years in and the lack of a need to count carbs and just kind of like guessing the amount of units based on what you're seeing. That is, I think, that's something that just comes with the years, right? Because, yeah, if we are, for those of you who are listening, who are like trying to learn or who are super new to diabetes or your child was just diagnosed or whatever, um, it is, it will benefit you to put the work in, in those first few months using a scale and reading every, um, every label. Because I remember like in the beginning using a scale and reading labels and trying to be exact to the point where I was like, this is 23.3 carbs, you know, <laughs> like, yep. and it felt exhausting and it was really challenging. And I remember breaking down a lot, like I have to do this all the time and bringing my scale with me wherever I went. And just, it was a lot and like clearly marking everything. And I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to burn out. And then my daughter has to do this for the rest of her life. This is the worst, but I'm here to tell you, you do not have to do it for the rest of your life. Like you can, if you want to, if you ever feel like sugars are completely out of whack, it's smart to go back to strictly counting carbs for a few days and really try and like use that to help narrow down insulin to carb ratios to get back to that sort of baseline. But in doing that in the beginning is how I was able to quickly learn how to eyeball carbs and carb counts. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, and I don't get it right all the time, but I get ballpark most of the Mm -hmm. time. And that is like pretty much what you need Mm -hmm. to, you know, maintain sugars, especially when you're on a pump and you have access to give microboluses as an add on. Mm -hmm. When it comes to injections, it's a different story. That's that's where like everything does (laughs) need to be a lot more planned out and accurate if you are going to stay in range with injections. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. One, I 
did have a card book when I was little that they gave us at the hospital that, you know, I learned all the things about an apple is this many carbs and banana and whatever. So I think that's still like in the back of my mind and definitely was necessary. Yes. I'm going to interject really fast yeah. though. That drove me crazy because once I got the scale, I would so – mm-hmm. Every single thing is so different yeah. and especially in little bodies like Hattie's, I'd be like, okay, so this paper is saying an apple's 15 grams. Well, yeah. I'm going to weigh this one and I'm going to weigh this one. This one's 12. That one's 18. If I just like dosed her for 15 and gave her one or the other because she's so little, that small amount of carbs makes a huge difference in her blood sugars and then yeah. they really were all over the place. And then I was like, why isn't it working? Like, yes. you know. No, that is so true. And yeah, so I'm just no, putting that out there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and then I do have a really good friend who is on injections and she manages actually very much like me, but she's just not afraid to give a lot of injections. Yeah. So I think even with time, it is possible. Um, but I think it's easier personally on a pump to just type something in. Um, oh, but I did remember what I was going to say earlier yeah. about my whole coffee morning spike that I'm working on giving more upfront because I think I get nervous sometimes to give myself the amount I really know deep down that I need. And in the morning, that amount can be seven or eight units at a time. But instead, I'm like, let me just give four. And then I end up spiking and then I give a few more. And it's like, well, if I would have just done that upfront, it'd be fine. So yesterday, I gave myself a lot and I ended up just being like 130 steady all day. And I was like, yeah, that's what I should do. Yeah, But again, it's different every day. Yeah. My yeah. my little Hattie girl's walking in. Yeah, honey. <laughs> yeah, we got new band-aids today. The baby and oh. I got new band-aids today while Hattie was at preschool. Hattie, do you want to talk into the microphone? You can be on the podcast for a second. Do you want to say hi, anything? You can say hi to Raquel because she can see you and hear you. I love you. I love you, Hattie. Oh, that made my goodness. whole day. That was so <laughs> nice. Oh, and she just blew a kiss. Let's try not to knock the microphone. Um, do you want to – so, hun, we're doing a podcast and um, other parents of type 1 kids and other people who have type 1 diabetes listen to it. Is there anything you would want to say to those people? I love you. I love you. That we all love so you, honey. Nice. You're amazing. The new Band-Aids, hun, are on the counter where all of your diabetes supplies are. Can you go get them yourself? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, sorry. I'm pretty that was fun. great. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> She's very funny and very outgoing and very loud. Anyone else have toddlers who sound like elephants when they walk through your house? Stop, 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 stop. That was me as a kid. My mom was always like, you're a dancer, aren't you? so graceful. And I'm like, yeah, but not when I walk. Like, I just, it's the opposite. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't mind it if we didn't have a sleeping two-year-old, you know? I'm like, shh, don't wake her up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, any, we're hitting that 45-ish minute mark almost. Any like wrap-up thoughts? I think, yeah, just know that it can be flexible in the future, if not now. And, oh, what I was going to say, Amanda, is that even though you counted carbs for a long time or, you know, you did all that very clearly, I remember when you were starting to be more flexible, even with, okay, well, she's going up a little more, let's give 0.3 or let's give 0.5 or, you know, just letting yourself give that extra amount. 
Um, Cause that can change everything. It's all yeah. those little things. And also just learning that a rule for me that changed everything is when I realized that not every low needs 15 cards because I used uh-huh. to treat every low with a juice box and then skyrocket to 200 when really every low is different depending on how fast you're dropping and all the things. So we can talk a lot about that. Later, I, but. I know I, I'm going to give a, the perfect example, real life example of what you're talking about right now. So right before we started this podcast, like hit, hitting record on today's episode, um, I was getting Hattie set up to watch her TV show and had snacks for her. And I saw that she was dropping and she was like 81. She had just dropped eight. And so I knew like for us when she's down in the 70s, 80s, and she has dropped by more than three points, it's very likely that she's going to go low and it's not going to catch in the you know 70s. And so I was like, oh, honey, like there's that snack plate from leftover. Do you want to eat that? Like you're starting to drop. And she's like, eh, I'll have one or two bites. And so I knew that meant, no, I'm not going to eat this. And so I went and got her a pack of gummies that has 14 grams of carbs, but I took three for myself. So I don't know, maybe she got 11 or 12 grams because I could just feel that 14 grams of carbs was not necessary to bring her up. It was going to bring her too high. And she is now 110 steady. So we caught it. Yeah. And her little body does react to three extra gummies. So if I did three extra gummies, she would probably still be climbing and maybe even getting up to 170, 180, 190. And then I have to play catch up to bring her back down. So, yep. That comes with so much practice. That was a really good example. Yeah. But it it is, I'm not putting that out there. Like we're perfect and our blood sugar management is perfect. And I have it all figured out. It's not like that at all. It literally is just practice and practice and practice. Yes. And I agree. My, even though I said I was 99% range the last two days, normally I think I'm around more like the 80 to 90, maybe seventies, just depending on the week range, but it's all worth it to me to be able to live my life how I want and enjoy the foods I want. And so I don't think that it's worth it to have a hundred percent range if you don't get to eat anything and just are worried about it all the time. Or I used to go on a walk every time I was going up and it just can interrupt your life so much. And you have to realize what's actually worth it for your family. Yes. For your family. But then on the flip side, I'm sure there are people and there are families where the stress of not having perfect in-range sugars outweighs like the joy of eating the foods they want. And so those families, more power to you guys for doing what works for you. Like Raquel and I truly believe you do what works for you and like find your balance so that the life you live is the one that you enjoy the most. Yes, yes, yes. We're not at all saying you should manage like either of us in any no. way. Mm-mm. I want to make that very clear. It's just our truth of how we're, we're dealing with this. Yeah. So, that was a great note to end on. So yeah. Um, blood sugar check? Yeah. Blood sugar check. Okay. You go. I am 163 right now. Hattie is um, 110 still, but I think she's about to change. I don't know. We'll call it 110. Um, And uh, yeah, 
have so much fun in the Dominican Republic. I will miss you. I'm going you have to fun try. In Florida. Thanks. I'm going to try so hard not to text you. Um, no, so you I'm can take miss you. <laughs> so you can take real vacation. I'll miss you too. But we'll yeah, we'll come back to work super refreshed and ready to go. Yes, and, there's so many um, exciting things coming in the I fall. I know, I know, oh. there are. Okay, what is it again? It's not like it's um, oh, rate, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe, right? Yes. Okay. That was perfect. Rate, Third time subscribe, episode three. <laughs> <laughs> review, rate, and subscribe. A lot of you are already doing that, and we're so thankful. Oh my gosh, Thank so <laughs> thankful. We are blown away by some of these reviews. And we like send them all to each other. <laughs> yeah. We're feeling really, really proud, really great. Yes. All right. Okay. Talk to you all soon. Bye.